my name is Amy, and I'm one of the pastors here at Incarnation, and Merry Christmas Eve to everyone. It's so good to worship together tonight. Um, and a huge thank you to Greenbrier Baptist for allowing us to worship here this afternoon. Some of you who've been with our church from the very beginning know that for the first year of our life as a church, we worshiped right here at 5 o'clock, and we have loved being friends and partners um, in ministry with Greenbrier for all these years, so we're really grateful to be here. Thank you, Ramona, um, and to everyone here. And I'm also really grateful to our kids who did such an incredible job, and to Joanna who organized all of that, uh, to bring that Christmas story to life for us tonight. And kids, I wonder if I can just ask you for a tiny bit more help tonight. I just have a couple of questions. Because one of the things that we heard in that Christmas story is that it's full of signs in the sky, wonders in the heavens, stars and angels. And I'm curious, just show of hand among the kids, how many of you like learning about the night sky, about outer space, about things that happen far up in the heavens? And grown-ups, you can raise your hands too. <laughs> okay, yes, very popular. Um, and I'm curious... Would any of you ever actually want to go into space? So not just look through a telescope, but if you could, you know, work things out with Elon Musk, maybe actually go to space. Show of hands. All right, some of you. Okay, and I'm curious, kids or grown-ups, if you went to space, what do you think you would see? You can just call it out. Asher? That is a strong possibility. Teddy? <laughs> Very astute. Teddy's <laughs> Teddy would see the Lord if he wasn't wearing a spacesuit. <laughs> um, yes. Oh, yes, black holes are one of my favorite things. Black holes, stars, planets. Anything else? Oh, Eleanor, did you have your hand up? The same thing, yes. Yeah, there's all kinds of things that if we went to space, we might expect to see, that we might be excited to see. Well, there was a man named William Shatner who for many years played a space traveler on television. He played a character named Captain Kirk on a show called Star Trek. Some of you might be familiar with it, probably if you're closer to my height than this height. But William Shatner actually had this lifelong dream of going into space himself. And last year, he actually did it. He went into space. But when he got there, what he saw and what he felt, what he experienced, wasn't at all what he expected, even though this was something he had thought about his whole life, something he had sort of pretended to do his whole life on television. And he wrote this about the experience. I love the mystery of the universe, but when I looked into space, there was no mystery, no majestic awe to behold. All I saw was a cold, dark, black emptiness. It was among the strongest feelings of grief I've ever encountered. The contrast between the vicious coldness of space 
and the warm nurturing of earth below filled me with overwhelming sadness. Everything I had thought was wrong. I had thought that going into space would be the next beautiful step to understanding the harmony of the universe, but I discovered that the beauty isn't out there. It's down here with all of us. And I think that really captures the message of Christmas, the message of the incarnation, that the beauty is down here with all of us, that the beauty of God is actually a newborn baby, Emmanuel, God with us in the person of Jesus. And so when we want to behold mystery and majestic awe, we don't actually look to highest heaven. We look to the lowly manger. Because God is not far off in space. God is not distant. He's not just an observer. He's not cold. He didn't create the world and then kind of step back at a distance. And he's not just basking in his authority and in the songs of the angels forever and ever. No, in God's great love for humanity, for all of us, God actually stepped into humanity. God became human. He became vulnerable and weak and poor and powerless in the person of Jesus. God was born a helpless baby. God suffered and died so that he could set people free from suffering and evil and death once and for all. God became a person so that he could restore people. Well, earlier we heard the prophecy of the prophet Isaiah that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And we know now on the other side of that prophecy and the other side of Christmas that the birth of Jesus was that great light. It was the inbreaking of God's light into this dark world. It was the beginning of God's cracking in and starting to set things right. That's why the angels were singing among the stars. That's why people flocked to come and see him. But on this Christmas, some 2022 Christmases later, that great light doesn't always seem super bright. Sometimes it actually seems really hard to see. Sometimes we don't see much evidence of peace on earth and goodwill to all the people. There's still a lot of darkness in our world. The world is still really full of evil and suffering and death. We hear it in all of our Christmas carols, sin and error, pining, lonely exile, oppression, sad divisions, the weary world. Sins and sorrows grow and thorns infest the ground. And so I think it's helpful as we look around at a world that does still feel a lot like darkness to remember that God's great light didn't break in in a flashy, impressive way. The light of Christ broke in to our dark humanity in a small way, a humble way, like a pinprick of starlight against a dark sky, beckoning people to come and worship this child. And that is still often how Christ's light breaks in, in small ways, humbly and quietly, often in what is poor and forgotten and powerless. And yet that down here is where God's beauty is. Well, all through Advent, 
we invited people from our church to share reflections before we lit the Advent candles on where they were seeing Christ's light break into our world. And what struck me in a lot of those stories was the smallness and the faintness of the light that people were seeing. Gabby talked about the light of the stars that's actually hidden in the daytime. Buzz talked about these fleeting glimpses of light, hints of light, as he reckoned with the darkness of our country's racial history. Jenny talked about nighttime in the deepest, darkest desert, where after a while your eyes learn to see by starlight. And the light of Jesus is sometimes like that. It sometimes seems faint and we strain our eyes to see it. But scripture promises that the light has come and that the darkness will not overcome it. Scripture even promises that one day there will be no more darkness, no more night, no more death, no more sorrow, and the light of God will reign forever and ever. One day we'll see the complete fulfillment of that prophecy of Isaiah, and we'll worship God as wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. There's a Christmas poem by Malcolm Geith that captures all of this really well, the smallness and the humanity of God's breaking into the world in Christ, the full extent of God's with usness in what is still hard and still feels dark, and then the reality that one day the light of Christ will defeat the darkness. So I'm going to read it to close. We think of him as safe beneath the steeple or cozy in a crib beside the font. But he is with a million displaced people on the long road of weariness and want. For even as we sing our final carol, his family is up and on that road, fleeing the wrath of someone else's quarrel, glancing behind and shouldering their load. Whilst Herod rages still from his dark tower, Christ clings to Mary fingers tightly curled. The lambs are slaughtered by the men of power, and death squads spread their curse across the world. But every Herod dies and comes alone to stand before the Lamb upon the throne.